We're in chapter 3, down to verse 2, but we'll read the previous verse. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write this. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. I know your works, and you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Like I say, people forget, they don't remember. The gospel has been preached since the resurrection of Christ by the apostles, three years. So this is about 70 years from that time. And in the Roman Empire, it's believed there were about 60-some, 70-some million people. And at the most, there were 300,000 that professed to be Christians. And most of them were not. They were professors. And we can see this by the context of the churches and the messages he leaves to them. About 8 to 10% of the 70 million were Jews throughout the empire. So they were given some light. Not only the Romans, but the Jews were given certain light. So they were without excuse. God judges people according to the truth that they've been given. The scripture says to Paul, a lot of people forget, but he said, where there is no law, sin is not imputed. That implies that children and retarded people, they're not capable of comprehending the law and its requirements. Therefore, God puts them under a different responsibility. When Christ died on the cross, he died for all. He died for those who only had nature, those who followed their conscience the best they could, and those who heard the gospel were more responsible. So God is just and is gracious in all of his dealings. For him not to do this would make him a devil and would make the gospel a waste to people. And God does not waste his time. And scripture, because we are in the churches and like I say, several of the churches, uh, the majority of the people have backslidden. That's why he addresses them as he did and warns them. This is why the once saved, always saved. And many Calvinistic people, they don't think the book of Revelation is important. If they're saved, they don't have to worry. Well, it's implied that these people were once saved, and some still were, that Christ was speaking to. And even them, each one, he said, I know your works, and if you overcome, he promised them certain things. And he was talking about the faithful ones that overcome what he will give them. He was talking to Christians. He began teaching to real Christians. So this churches, when they were first formulated, they were sound, but they did not stay sound. They mingled with the world or the problems that the Lord faults them for. We live in an age which is more like the Sardis age in the Laodicea. So we should listen well to what he has to say. Scripture before we go on, Second Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It means it's God-breathed. He does something to it when he preaches through his saints and teaches. He inspires. He inspires the one who preaches. 
and he opens the ears that those can receive the truth. These are spiritual revelations. And studying the Bible and not being obedient to the Lord, you get no revelation. You get head knowledge and information. But Paul said, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in all things. That's not for everybody. So that's why we have a multitude of people who claim to be Christians who are not or who were once Christians. They're still religious. They still go to church, but their life has changed or conformed. But he said all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. It's useful for your spirituality for what? It's profitable for doctrine or teaching. Like we say, all the word ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, everything they do is based on teaching. You cannot be one of them and not be a teacher. I've heard many people say, well, God just called me to preach the gospel, how to get saved. There is no gospel. That is not a selected place. A evangelist not only taught people, if he didn't have no one to follow him when he went on, he taught them sound doctrine. I've had many people tell me they, and they don't know scripture, and they're out preaching a false gospel, a watered-down gospel. And they think they're doing God a service. They're not. So any word ministry, which has the greater authority, the apostles, the prophet, and teachers had first, second, and third authority over all ministries because they were the word ministry. And they had to be able to teach. They weren't out there preaching just being born again. There was no such scriptural teaching. Jesus go into the world and he said, preach the gospel to all. And he said, teaching them to observe all things that I've told you. He didn't say just teach them how to get born again. That's just a part of it. That's like getting a person in the race. Well, they can fall within a few steps if they're not careful and don't know the truth. Some people say, well, they just need to be born again. Then they die real quickly because they're not grounded in the truth. These are false teachings, false heresies. And that's why the majority of people that claim to be Christian are false and getting falser, if you will. So it's profitable for teaching, for reproof. I want you to understand reproof and correction are negatives. And this is for the body of Christ. See, people say, well, I only want to hear what's positive. Well, even a person who walks righteously and walks in the will of the Lord, he has to be warned constantly. He's at battle. He's told what to do and not to do and what to be prepared for. Correction is basically means he's wrong somewhere. He needs to be clarified what he believes and how he lives. Reproof means he's failed at something and the Holy Spirit wants repentance from him. He wants him to correct this problem. And if for instruction and righteousness, it means teaching. All teaching and all godliness, the main purpose is to teach a person how to live godly and holy. It's for that reason and mainly everything else is built on that. Most people get intellectual knowledge of God's word. They can quote scripture better than you can. And yet they're not saved. They're not born again. They're not following the Lord. See, 
because they refuse to listen. Even Solomon, he had more wisdom than anyone. But as far as I can see, he didn't make it to the kingdom. And he sinned and constantly sinned. And toward the end of his life, he disobeyed God. He married heathen women and offered up his own children as sacrifices. Scripture doesn't tell that he repented. He said his wisdom stood with him. Certain gifts of God. You can backslide and still be a good teacher. Someone else can profit from it if the Lord opens their ear. But I knew a good teacher. He lived in adultery for three years. And he was one of the best teachers I ever knew. See, that deceives them. They think because they do that and can get certain results, that doesn't prove they are in the Lord. They can fail. Judas was teaching, and Judas didn't backslide overnight. So people need to remember this. So he says instruction in how to live righteously. See, people don't like that word, living holy, being righteous. Well, they're not going to make it to heaven. And people who are against that, they are afraid of what the world thinks of them. And yet Jesus said, if you live this way, the world will hate you. Well, they want to be liked. They don't want to be mocked. Many people will end up in the lake of fire because they were more concerned with what people thought than what God thought. And the very people they thought and pondered what they were thinking, they're in hell themselves eventually. Their opinion doesn't count for anything. That's why the people in hell will weep and gnash their teeth and regret and hopelessness. Many people will be in the lake of fire who were procrastinators. They heard the truth. Some of them once lived the truth. And I will get right with God, they said. But they just kept going on and sin hardens and sin deceives people. Now, so we are told these things. We're told these things, and therefore Christians. See, many people think, well, I'm living right. I don't need to hear this. Well, yes, you do. So you will keep living right because you're in a spiritual warfare. And if you don't keep walking with the Lord, you lose what you acquired, regardless of what the false teachers say. There is no once saved, always saved. There is that I've made it. I've already overcome. These are false heresies. And that's why some teachers don't like the book of Revelation. It warns, and it even tells the Christian he has to overcome. He must be loyal to the end of his life. Okay. So he told the church at Sardis that you have a name, you're alive. So it's like these mega churches today that have thousands. They seem like they're alive. They do a lot of good works from the natural human side. They are humanitarians. A true humanitarian, if he's not a Christian, everything he does is wood, hay, and stubble. It doesn't amount to nothing spiritually. A wicked person cannot do anything good spiritually. So they're imitations. They think their bad will weigh against their good. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, I've heard people. People have told me, well, I hope when I stand before God, he'll consider what I did. I said, no, he will consider the gross sin you're in. And everything good that you did will not be counted because you didn't do it by the Spirit of Christ. So it's empty. 
That's the righteousness of the Pharisee, self-righteousness. That's what they were doing. Scripture said they were self-righteous. They went through the forms. They taught some law. But at the same time, they were robbing the widows. They were caught up in covetousness and money. And they thought all their good was going to outweigh this. No, it doesn't work that way. That's human thinking. That is not the Lord's thinking. So he said, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. You're not Christians. That's what it means. Oh, you may have been a Christian. You may have walked the Lord. They were in the churches. These were home groups, many of them. They were not a big building where they all met. So some of them were unfaithful, and we will find a few of them were faithful. So he said, but you're dead. Dead to what? You're dead to God. You're like the prodigal son. You were once alive, but you became dead, and then he became alive when he repented and came back to the Father. So he warned the church as a whole, they were dead, the same as Laodicea was. So now he has something to say to them. Verse 2, he says, Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Okay? He says, Awake. First of all, this is a sign of a person that's backslidden. When you sleep spiritually, you're not following the Lord anymore. You're forfeiting your standing with God. So it says, the five foolish virgins, that's what happened to them. They were once virgins before the Lord. But then when they became foolish virgins, they fell asleep. They let their light and the light of the Lord go out. They weren't progressing spiritually. They weren't producing fruit. This is what he meant. And they saw that the Lord was coming. And they wanted to wake up and hurry up and get some oil and get right. And the true virgins told them, well, go buy, see if you can buy some oil. But they were headed toward the marriage supper and the wedding with the Lord. So by the time the foolish virgins got there and knocked on the door, it was too late. He said something to them. So we have to understand this. He said, I don't know you. See, he once knew them. The majority of professing Christians, he never knew them. They're the masses that the Lord will say, uh, they're going to say, Lord, Lord. They're going to believe he's the son of God, died on the cross. But they were never regenerated. They never followed the Lord. Almost two billion people claim to be Christians that are in that category. He called them workers of lawlessness. It means you did not obey the Lord. You followed lawless practices. So he told them this. They ceased, the five foolish virgins, they ceased walking in the Spirit. They ceased living and being led of the Spirit. They had no more relationship with the Lord. So he said, I do not know you. So that's the same as the prodigal son, his father. When he saw him coming back, he ran toward him. But when he first left the house, he didn't go after him. And he let it be known. He says, this my son, which was dead. He was dead to me spiritually. Once he removed from my authority in the house, he was dead. But when he came back and repented, 
the father said, my son, which was dead, is now alive. See? But even he didn't claim him. There was no relationship. See, physical relationships don't mean nothing when it comes to the things of God. Spiritual relationship takes priority over any kind of. The earthly relationship, as far as we know, will not continue in heaven. Everyone will love and be loved the same as the angels. There won't be favorites. We won't think of that. We'll be like God in a sense. So we'll be partakers of divine nature. We'll think like he does. These uh, earthly relationships, many of them cease. They're merely meant for the earthly time. They're natural, but they're not spiritual. So when the foolish virgins came to the house, and he would not open to them. He said, I do not know you. So he never said, I didn't know you ever. But he said he didn't know them. So the many that profess his name today, Christ calls them lawless and cursed. They don't have the law of Christ. They're not obeying him. So they're living in sins. They're professing Christians. Okay. Now, First Corinthians 15.34, I'll just quote it. Paul says to some of the Corinthians, awake to righteousness and do not sin. So he meant you're sleeping. You're in a sinful state. So he's wanting them to wake up and get right. That's what he's wanting them. And so this is why he's warning Usardus. This is why he teaches through the parables the foolish virgin. People don't want to hear it, know it, but about 40 of the parables, some debate whether there's one or two less, but 25% of them have to do with judgment, wrath, hell, and God's punishment. Now, Jesus said, go into all the world and teach everything I've told you. He didn't say negate those, see, because they will keep a person that's in the Lord, show him how to stay there, and the one who's fallen away, it will warn him. And the one who's not had the gospel will give the gospel to him. So grace is being extended to all. But how they respond is up to them. There is no overwhelming, irresistible grace. God doesn't force nothing on anybody. And man has choices. Man exercises will before he's a Christian or after he's Christian. That's why we are told a good portion of the New Testament is a warning to stay with the Lord, not to sin, not to fall away. It's appealing to the will, the mind, and the conscience of the believer. So much for being guaranteed. It's only guaranteed if you stay in it. This predestined stuff that's gone too far, there's only four scriptures or more and they've been taken out of context. The individual is not predestined. What's predestined is the ship of Christianity, the ship of faith. Oh, you can say the train. You get on and you get off, but the train's going where it's going. And the ship of faith is going to its harbor. Whether you want to stay on or not, that's another thing. So that's basically what he's talking about. So he's telling them that sleeping is in sin. They've fallen away. And so he says to the church, Awake and strengthen the things that remain. 
Okay, so he's warning those who've already fallen that they're dead spiritually. And there are some getting ready to fall. They're already in that state and they're falling asleep. And then there's those who haven't. And he's saying, hold on, strengthen what you got and don't go any further. Don't get to that state. That's what he's wanting them. So you who have almost fallen away, do not fall asleep. Hold on to the little that you have. What is the little? I say for a Christian to be a Christian, he has to maintain a holy life. Oh, many people think he has to know doctrine and all this. That has its place. But if you don't live a holy, practical life and stay away from gross sin, you will not make it into the kingdom. You can make it into the kingdom missing a lot of the works and a lot of your works being wood, hay, and stubble. And you can be a novice, a babe that's not produced much. But there is no baby Christian that's living in fornication. That's a heresy of the old Calvinistic Baptist way of thinking. We get you saved. Don't worry about anything else. Well, you're not saved until you stop it. That's what repentance is. Many people think, oh, you just confess Jesus and you don't worry about it. You most certainly do. Because if you're still in fornication, you're not saved. Jesus told Paul, preach repentance. That's what he told him. The first thing Jesus preached was repentance. Repentance. Then believe. See, people want to believe and and then change. It don't work that way. We are discipled. But as far as the gross sin, it has to stop immediately. You cannot be a practicing immoral fornicator, adulteress. You cannot be a thief, a liar, a habitual liar, and be a Christian. It's contrary. And people, that's why these people are lied to. That's why many people are going to say, Lord, Lord. And he will say, but you're workers of lawlessness. He never challenged what they believed of him. So many people believe Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of God. It will not save them. See, that's why James was written. That's why Paul was practical. He told some, perhaps the Corinthians, you've been disqualified from Christianity. You need to examine yourself and see if you're in the faith anymore. Now, that was Paul talking, the great man of faith and grace, okay? So what is he telling them? He said, you are about to die. I have found your works, your fruit, your obedience, incomplete in the sight of my God. See, the God is his God and his father, even though he's the son. He still is high priest. He still represents man. He still has the divine and the human nature. He's the one who said, if you don't abide in me as a branch, if you don't bear fruit, my father will cut you off. So he's letting you know that he's in unity with him because he's going to talk about what he will do to the disobedience. He will cut the branch from me if you don't bear fruit. So we see when the Lord raises up and shuts the door of grace, there is no time to get right and repent. So we see that in Genesis chapter 7. Well, I'll quote it. 
seven after the animals came in, after Noah and them came into the ark, and the rain was going to start to come. Noah went into the ark, and it says very clearly, and God shut the door. See, it's God who shuts the door. And I'm sure when it started raining after several days and flooding, and the water started to rise, I'm sure there were some people trying to get into the ark. And Noah couldn't let him in if he wanted to. Even if he felt sorry for it, he could not. Because God had shut the door. When the master of the house shut the door, the foolish virgins could not get in. See, people forget that grace has a period. The scripture says God will not always strive with men. Men of the world. He will not keep extending himself. There comes an end to it. There comes an end. See, God is long-suffering and patient. He's not quick. He's only quick with those he's been long-suffering with. Then he, when he cuts them off, he can do it quickly. But all in all, the Lord's very patient with people. He lets them live. Paul said they're storing up wrath. He said, don't you know it's God's patience and long-suffering giving you time to repent? But he tells them they will answer for that time. See, that's the justice. God extends grace. That's who he is. He wishes to extend it. Long-suffering and patience. But once he stops, he holds the person accountable for that extension. See, that's the terrible thing for the wicked. Every idle word that they speak, they will give an account of. Now, for the Christian, that doesn't apply. To the Christian, every cup of cold water you give to somebody, the least thing you do for a fellow Christian even, you will be rewarded for. See, that's justice. So justice and mercy have their place. They do not contradict each other. They do not override each other. If you don't believe in the justice and the wholeness of God, then read about the lake of fire. That will enlighten you very quickly on who God is. He's not your daddy. He's not Santa Claus. He has certain requirements, and he doesn't change. His ways are not our ways, but he lets them know, lets us know what his ways are. And people say, well, I don't think my father would send one of his children to hell because your father's corrupt and your father's a respecter of persons and likes his own children more than anybody else. God is no respecter of persons. He can honor a person more who honors his word. But initially, God's no respecter of person. If you dishonor God, he can disrespect you. He can hold back from grace. But initially, the scripture says, it's got God's will that any parish, but all come to the knowledge of the truth. That was the Old Testament, which applies still, that word. And then in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Whosoever will shall come. So the invitation's given to everybody unless they blaspheme the spirit or harden themselves and already been dealt with. See, those are the exceptions. But the general mood of God is, I wish everybody got saved. Yet the fact is the majority of human adult mankind will end up in the lake of fire. And it's their fault. They would not respond to the graces of God and walk with him and get help to live in this probation 
that they're in. So we got to see this. So Christ coming back, he tells them something. He says, wake up and strengthen what remains because it's going to die. Remember, I try to emphasize these are home groups. Doesn't apply to everybody. The same as Paul's epistles to seven churches. He commends certain Corinthians and he tells other Corinthians, you might not even be saved anymore. And then another group, he says, turn them over to Satan and many of you are sick and die because of God's punishment. So he's speaking to different ones, different home groups, different individuals. But he's speaking to the whole, what professes to be the church or was the church at one time in a particular area. Okay. And notice he says, I've not found your works. Now, the works here are not only their ministries, but their fruit and their obedience. He said, I've not found it complete in God's sight. God is watching. If the Father, if the Spirit sees every small sparrow or bird that drops dead, it doesn't miss his notice. How much more does he see the actions of men? See? Nothing escapes his knowledge. Okay? So he's saying what? Your works were not complete. You're not bearing fruit is what he means. You cease to do this. So they were, some of them were right at one time. He's speaking to backsliders. And now you're dead, many of them. And most of them, he said, he's addressing them. He says, you have a name. You're alive. You have big ministry. You're popular. People think you're godly. You put on the outward show. Oh, I've met people like that. And some of them even preach and teach sound doctrine. But they're wicked in their personal life. They're spiteful. They're vengeful. They're unforgiving. They're living in immorality. They're having secret affairs. I've seen this where I've lived. Some of the most popular churches come to find out the pastors were had been living in adultery for several years. Yet they were preaching a lot of truth. Everything they did was negated spiritually. didn't count. And actually God puts more on them, more responsibility. To much is given, much is required. That's why they will stand speechless in the day of judgment. They think all these good works is going to measure up against these little bad things they think. But they're going to be speechless. They won't be able to answer because they'll know the truth when they're consigned to the lake of fire. When Jesus says, you're cursed of my father, I never knew you. And he says, into everlasting punishment, they're going to drop their mouths. See, many of them think I'm okay. No, they were deceived. That's what deception does to people. Okay, verse 3. So remember what you have received and heard. What I'm telling you, what you've been taught. And keep it and repent. Okay, so if you've been taught things and you've heard, you have ears to ear, then you better do it. This is what it means. To keep is to continue. Jesus said, he that continues in me. If you continue in me, I will reveal the Father to you. If you don't continue, you'll be cut off. That's what he tells those in the vine and the branches. If you cease to bear fruit. It means you bore fruit at one time. 
You were in Christ. It doesn't talk about a person that professed to be a Christian. It talks about a person who was actually in Christ. And then you ceased. You ceased letting the Spirit lead you and guide you. You ceased being obedient. And so the life ceased. The Holy Spirit refused to give you life anymore. See? He's dealing with you differently. So you have to receive it. To receive God's word is mean you listen and you put it into practice. Many people hear the word like the parable says, but they don't do it. See, many people. So they're building on saying the scripture says. They're going to have storms in their life that's going to test the building and what it's built on. And if they're not built on the word of God in Christ, they will not be able to stand the test. They will fall away. As the parable says, they will endure for a little while. They'll receive the word with joy, but they have no root in them. They don't get grounded. They don't continue. So the first big thorn that comes in their life, they backslide and fall away. They didn't take seriously that Paul said, through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom. You'll go through a lot of warfare and battles before you make it to the end. That's what he was saying. There is no easy road, but there's a sure road. Jesus said his way was narrow, very narrow, and few there be that find it. And few there be that stay in the way is what he meant. Because it's a continuing walking on the path, a continual race to the end. So he says, keep it and repent. So he's just, the ones he said are dead. And the ones that are dying, he said, you need to repent. So that's interesting. He gives grace. He shows you that it's God's will in general that the backslider come back to God under the Old Testament and the New Testament. Only those who've blasphemed the Spirit. Only those like Saul and certain people that rejected him and God had tested them. And finally God said, I'm not going to extend grace anymore. And remember King Saul, once the spirit of the Lord left him, he was the Lord's anointed. He still remained the king. But he lost his spiritual anointing and actually evil spirit entered him. He could not be saved after that. God didn't talk to him or listen to him. That's why he tried to drum up Samuel. Samuel just told him how he was going to die, and he didn't encourage him. He said, why are you bothering me if God has rejected you? Now, while he was alive, Samuel kept praying for Saul. And the Lord finally said to him, how long will you pray for Saul, seeing that I have rejected him? Go find another king for me. See, God's patience and long-suffering and grace had come to an end with Saul. So in general, God gives us time. And he's given the church of Sardis. Don't matter who they are, he's given them time to come back to him. That's what the word repent means. You turn around. You go in a different direction. The prodigal son did this. In his misery and punishment, he saw the grace and goodness of his father. And he said, well, I will go back and confess to him that I'll even be a servant. I don't have to be a son. I'll take the least position he gives me. 
And so the Lord shows us that his will was he returned him to sonship. He didn't have to do it. He could have rejected him and said, keep him away. And the son expected just to be a servant now. He had forfeited many things and squandered it. And yet the father says, let's start over. We'll start over again. So he's showing us God's grace and extension. He says, repent. Then he says something interesting. Therefore, if you do not wake up, what is he saying? To wake up means you're in sin, sleeping. And to wake up is to repent. To get right with God is what he means. Okay? And so he says, I will come like a thief. That means unexpectedly. And you will not know which hour I come. I will not extend grace. Actually, one of the parables says, one of his servants, as he went away, he started to mismanage the house and abuse the other servants and not do his master's will. See, he thought he could get right before the master came home. And the master says, who represents God, he says, I will come unto him at an hour that he does not expect. I will come as a thief and I will cut him asunder to spiritual death and I will give him his portion with the hypocrite. What is the portion of the hypocrite? Jesus said the greater damnation. See, this servant knew better, was given more authority and he meditated evil and thought he could play with God's grace. How many people have said, oh, I'll wait and get right with God when I get older? They don't get right with God. And many times God shuts the door to them. See? They've wasted years doing as they please and then they think they're going to get right with God. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. Just because one person died on the cross and repented, but this guy was punished greatly like the Corinthians. He died on the cross. He was under a different covenant and he just said, remember me, Lord. And he said, you'll be with me. See, this was repentance. But like the Corinthians, many of the rich Corinthians died horrible deaths to bring them to repentance. So this is what happened to the guy on the cross. So many people think, oh, the man on the cross, I'll just say the repentance at the end. You will not. You will be deceived. Let's take a break.